Hey there, and welcome to the daily podcast where wisdom smacks us with kisses or love taps. I'm Michelle Spiva, a wisdom strengthening coach, your host, and practical priestess of wisdom. Join us daily to gain wisdom and mental strength as we tackle innovative thinking, address emotional and behavioral life traps, and yes, provide you with some practical how-tos to wrap it all up. So settle in or crank up the speed 2x, whatever gets your mental processes firing as we dive in. Stay tuned. Hey there, it's Michelle Spivey, your practical priestess of wisdom and host of your daily podcast, Wisdom Smack. So I kind of want y'all to bear patience with me and give me a slide on this one because today I want to talk about some lessons I learned from rereading, aka listening this time, to the Harry Potter, first book of Harry Potter. And <laughs> that book wow it's appropriate for today and uh if you're listening especially if you're listening to this at the time of recording so let me stop rambling and go on and invite you to come with me so yeah you know what to do keep listening i'm gonna see you on the flip as we talk about what would harry potter do Hey there, thank you for showing up and supporting and listening and all of the good stuff. Let's go on and get into it. So I kind of like, it's not even tongue in cheek. I really am enjoying uh, today's uh, subject. And so it's titled, What Would Harry Potter Do? (laughs) Now, I uh, have been uh, going through my normal uh, spring ritual of sinus issues, sneezing, coughing, and the like. And so some days are better than others that I can make it through a good hour where I'm not sneezing and coughing. And so y'all bear with me today. We're going to try to see what the Lord allows. Okay. So anyway, let's get into it. Uh, recently, I decided this time to not go out in my garage and try to unpack my Harry Potter books. Yes, I was an adult when they, well, yeah, I was an adult when they came out, uh, but I had them in book form. And I noticed that Audible, and they are not a sponsor, but I do uh, use them all the time, uh, but they have a section. If you have Audible and you've got, you know, time, you can go into this section where they allow uh, uh, free reads of books for kids. And they've got them all the way from the littlest people all the way up to teens. And so there's a lot of good stuff in there. But anyway, they have the first book of Harry Potter in there. And like I said, I don't have it in audio, but I was like, let me go back here and revisit. And sure enough, I went back and you guys, I had to remind myself that Harry Potter came out in 97. I'm like, oh my gosh, this book is grown enough to drink and marry and have babies and everything. But anyway, I went on and it was it was really good. And I'm going to tell you, it the experience was even better because first of all, I'm an auditory learner. And so I tend to pick up a lot when I hear things. 
But not only that, um, I had the pleasure and uh, the good fortune to have uh, a family vacation with my siblings and their kids last year uh, at Universal and in Florida, the you know the University of Florida, and I got an opportunity to ride and and have the whole Harry Potter experience with both of the sites there. And so going back through, listening to Harry Potter and having those fresh memories of experiencing it for myself in 3D uh, as we did all of it. I mean, we took the we took the nine and three quarters train between the two uh, locations and it was all it was great. But then I started to to see some things um, in my mind as I'm, I'm going about, you know, doing the laundry and all the kind of stuff you do when you put on an audio book to make the time pass. And I started seeing stuff that, of, of course, I hadn't seen before. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about some of the stuff that I started to realize. For one, I will say this, that now, revisiting this uh, 20 plus years later, I would say that I am firmly in the Ravenclaw clan now, you know? I was like, why wasn't everybody, you know? Well, it, well I'm not going to say everybody, but let's just face it. Most people wanted either Gryffindor or they wanted Slytherin. And, you know, I mean, come on now. But now I can clearly say, Ravenclaw all the way. So I just wanted to get that out. So thank you for, you know, my opening and all of this. But this is some of the stuff that I realized. Well, first of all, the first thing I realized was that if that book came out right now, uh, Miss JK would be in trouble for all that child abuse going on with how uh, HP's uh, guardians treated him because that was just straight up child abuse let's just face it and that just would not fly right now but other than that there was a lot that was eye-opening um at you know second the second you know time around and one of the first things I wanted to say was this was that looking at just in the first book and I'm I'm, I'm not going to go through you know the all of the seven uh, but just this first book looking at how Going through what this character went through uh, and how this character started to teach us some simple truths about biding your time and about self-control to see a long game. That was amazing. Um, and I, I, this is not going to be a, a whole, I'm not going to spend all my time on the first book, but there were some things that I was like, ah, oh, yes. So this, this is, this is kind of like the big aha, if you will. There was a scene in the book where Harry is first uh, getting invited to go to Hogwarts. And the way he handles this, where, you know, he, he behaves like a kid. This is my letter. Let me see my letter. But one of the things that I noticed as the character is being presented, is that he did not go and try to uh, do anything brash. He didn't get in a, a huff knowing that the letters were for him. I mean, come on, let's face it. When you have hundreds of letters shooting out of a fireplace, 
that's that's saying something. And I had to pause. And this time I was like, wow, I have I am a real adult. And I don't know if I would have had the wherewithal to stick through it and to just bide my time. I just don't think it. Now, yes, I hear you saying, Michelle, that's a character. Yeah, it's a character, but the way this character is written is very well thought out, fleshed out, and looks to be like a human, uh, a real, you know, 3D kind of human with bringing lessons. And so I made a few notes, as I am wont to do when I talk with y'all daily. So let's get into it. These were my takeaways. And that is lessons like Harry. It's knowing when to grasp your time. You see, over and over again, at first when I encountered Harry Potter, I thought he stumbled into the plights and the predicaments and even the come-ups that he did. But then going back through it now, with some years in between and all of the experiences of how this book has become a classic, I started to realize that Harry inherently had an understanding to be at peace because his time would come. And sitting here talking to you now in the midst of a life and generation defining time of where we have a pandemic that continues to evade the smartest medical minds of how to quash it. It is changing every day. They are coming out with new things about the characteristics of it and how what they thought last week is no longer the truth this week and how stealthy it is and how it bides its time as well. I guess maybe that was the setup for me to see those nuances of that character in that book. And so being able to have a grasp of time means that we're to be able to start focusing on long-term success. I'm going to say that again, long-term success. And the reason why I am focusing on long-term success is because it seems like if if we look at the pendulum, because it's always swinging. We are emerging out of a time where we used to talk about first movers advantage. We talked about um, uh, move, uh, you know, move and then let your, you know, uh, ask permission. Or if you're in business, um, uh, what is the the one that came out? Oh, this is um, uh, 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 fire, I mean, shoot, fire, aim meaning that you shoot first and then you aim for something. And so it was all about quick, quick step, hurry, hurry, hurry. And now we find ourselves in a topsy-turvy time. And I don't know about you, but the, the first thing that I am forcing myself to do when I'm confused is to think, what is the opposite? What is the opposite of what I used to put my stake on? And I used to always try to move fast, do fast, and uh, do all the things that they are talked about. But lo and behold, Harry Potter put out 23 plus years ago. And that means that we already know that she was writing this book sometime before it got accepted and put into press. And so, We know 
well, I know, and I've, I've talked to you guys about it, that the way uh, sociologists look at times by generation, they usually allot somewhere around 22 years for a generation. So believe it or not, that means that if we're looking at it the way um, sociologists would look at it, we're seeing that Harry Potter was written possibly at the end of a generation when JK was a young mother and she still had that bit of whimsy about her and um, the majority of her uh, her peak years as an earning adult were about to start. And so Harry Potter comes out and then she's got this generation, this 23, 24, 25, however many years it's been uh, of Harry Potter to bring us through another generation. And now we find ourselves, you guessed it, at the beginning of a new generation. And thus, the echoes of what may have been uh pushed under the hoopla of the magic and the and the wonderment of Harry are speaking. I know they're speaking to me and maybe they're speaking to others. Because when you look at how this uh, character went about all of the things, you know, and of course we know he is built on a hero type. He's built on a savior type, you know, self-sacrifice and, and all of those things that make for, you know, heroics. And I would, I would dare say that if Nietzsche were around to read Harry Potter, he would, he would call it vomit, but you know, I'm not going to say that about Nietzsche and I'm definitely not going to say that about uh, Harry Potter. I don't know, but based on his Nietzsche's, uh, understanding of the Ubermensch, you know, the Superman, he, I don't think he would be a fan, but let me get back on topic because I do want to talk about what the long term looks like. Now, if you had asked me how to plan, how to try to figure out your life and all of that kind of stuff, I would have told you things move so quickly. So don't try to do anything with any kind of hopes of hitting it uh, for any longer than three. And if you're pushing it five years, but today, oh, today I got time because today that tune is totally different. And that is because uh, new level, new devil. and now the game is to survive. And remember, if you've been listening to this and, and welcome my new listeners, I seem to be picking them up daily. So thank you all for this. Um, but if you've been listening to me and if you're a new listener, go, go back and check out another podcast I did about uh, the great survivors. Uh, what we're learning now is that our modus operandi should be to survive. And to survive is different today because to survive is to outlast. It is to outlive the predators and the things that are against or or, uh, prohibitive to our advancement and our goals of what we want. And to survive is to also adapt. And what I learned listening to Harry Potter this time. And shout out to the narrator. I can't call his name right now, but he did a great job. What I learned as well is that Harry Potter was a survivalist. Mm -hmm. And Harry Potter was a survivalist because he did not get thrown into a different part of an existing world. He got thrown headfirst 
with high expectations into an unknown world. So Harry Potter was the quintessential stranger in a strange land. And he had not only the need to adapt quickly and learn and adapt, but he also had to carry the mantle of expectation of being the boy who lived. And I dare say, as I'm listening to this, you know, with these adult ears, that I could have handled that with the grace that was required for the role. And it was an eye opener for me. I started looking at, uh, some of my woefully inadequacies when it comes to what it really takes to survive. I mean, dare say, I even attempt to think that tomorrow I wake up with all of the alls that I think I have and someone tells me, you know, there is another world. And not only is there another world, but there is one of the most powerful beings in that world that has it out for you. Yeah, they can't stand you. They would really like to have you dead and probably painfully so as you're dying. And off you go. (laughs) Now you have to go into that world. There is no handbook. And you find out that a lot of people your age were born into this knowing it. And they're so far ahead of you. And everyone looks at you with expectation that not only should you know what they know, But you should know more because you're the person who lived to tell about it. And I found that I was learning from a fictitious character that I had read 20 plus years ago. And and my it was kind of like a layer of scales falling off because it was something about this journey in what we face today that helped me. So the biggest aha. And we're going to talk about this for the rest of time. The biggest aha that I had from what would Harry Potter do was that he embraced the unknown with an excitement because his regular life, yeah, it was bad, but he had shown clearly that he knew how to navigate it. He knew how to go under the radar to not upset his uncle and aunt. He had figured out how to even get his obnoxious cousin off his back. So it wasn't where he was escaping because this life was beating him up. No, he had almost, you know, kind of mastered it considering he did not have any advocates on his side. He's a little boy with no rights, uh, being subjugated to living in uh, a little piece (laughs) under the stairs and having to hurry up and sneak and get his meals and, and, and risk they made it seem like that man would have, you know, spanked him or or beat him even. And he was he was he was making it. And to be able to have made it and then find out that you get into uh, you get to go to another world and there's all this on you. I was amazed at how I had missed the gift of the unknown. And no longer is it just something where I could say, oh, it's because he's young. No, we can all have that. And the reason why we can all have that is because the fact that we love mystery, we love suspense, puzzles, and all of this. Um, The biggest craze at this particular time, because, you know, we're always looking for new uh, apps and new things. And so there's this, uh, at the time of this recording, there's this app out called Best Fiends, not friends, Best Fiends. And it's a puzzle game. 
where you can collect these different little characters and monsters and all this kind of stuff and you advance through it. And uh, it's, like I said, it's <laughs> taking off. And it, that attests to our curiosity and our high ability to entertain ourselves with the unknown. When we get off is when, where we get off, I should say, is when we can't control the unknown, put it on pause, step away from it, be like, I'll be right back, you know, and treat it as something that we are in control of. And learning from how Harry Potter just went in full, full gusto. I mean, come on, let's face it. If anybody, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm particular. My mother would say persnickety. I'm persnickety when it comes to my food. And when he got on the train to go to Hogwarts and he found out he actually wasn't a poor pauper and his parents had put aside money for him and he was able to buy treats and things. He went through it with the the vigor and the gusto of a kid. But not only that, he shared it with his little friend, Ron Weasley. And um, he was adventurous, like those those jelly beans that were, you know, you don't know what you're putting in your mouth. I would have been like, nope, that would have been an experience I would have totally not not had because when the young man told him, you know, about the beans. Now, of course, this is my second time reading, so I understand it. But in hindsight, I was like, I would not have tasted that. And I was arrested with how uh, rigid I had become in, 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 in how I approached the unknown. And so looking at how we are in a time of unknown and what would Harry Potter do? He couldn't control nothing. He basically was like a newborn babe in this new world. But yet and still, like I said, he had a good grasp of time and patience. But not only that, he realized that in times like now, we are supposed to take a certain amount of risk. We cannot try to do new things and go into the unknown with perfect certainty. It is, it's just not right. (laughs) It's, it's, um, it's folly for us to think that we're going to go in and make every step right. And I think it's torture if when we don't make every step, when we have a misstep, that we beat ourselves up or that we get fearful from making any steps after that. And when I looked at it, I was like, oh my gosh, why is this book teaching me so much? It was kind of like it was waiting for such a time as this to give me and hopefully you an introduction manual, a missing manual, if you will, of how to go into life uh, during the times of a roaming pandemic, because we don't know if this thing is ever going to leave. But having the ability to still plot out your joy, still find things uh, amusing and find the wonder, Uh, find the magic, find the fun in places that you've never seen before. Being able to, instead of looking at new things and new ways with a critical judgment, judgy, as I like to say, a judgy eye, (laughs) instead be willing to look at them as the wonder of, wow, never seen this before. Let's see what it's given, you know, and those types of things. And this is the the next thing that I wanted to say about how he went into his new unknown. He did not focus on 
who people said he was in that world or the world he left. Instead, he allowed himself to understand what people expected of him, but he wasn't moved by that. And that was good because he was able to develop the ability to master what he needed to master and to focus on his long uh, his uh, long-term success of graduating from a seven-year program. And in that, he understood, I don't, and, and, and of course, if you read the books, I don't see where that upbringing would have come from. And I don't know if it was an inherent thing with this character, but he had this ability to discern, like the wealthy, to discern and see the trickery such that he assembled about him people who had the right influence on him and he had the right influence on them. And now I, I don't I don't like to be Princess Petty. I do not. But I did put this in my notes. I was like, Michelle, do you really want to say this? So I'm really going to say it. <laughs> what I'm finding now is that a lot of people that we believed were doing way better than they really are um they are starting to go through a um a metamorphosis there are a lot of celebrities and and god bless them but there are a lot of celebrities that now all of a sudden every time i look around somebody is hosting some kind of celebrity telethon to help the celebrities because they're like uh please we can't we can't support our lifestyles and now uh, we're seeing people that are coming to our spaces that never that, you know, I hate to say it. Some of them look their look their noses down at us plebeians, you know, and now, you know, they're trying to come into our spaces, be on our social medias and the places we hang out. And it's like, hmm, there's something about when the pendulum swings, people who looked high, sat high and looked low are having to be humbled and not humble themselves, but they're being humbled. And that was one of the things that stuck out to me when Harry Potter would uh, go, you know, and do something for a friend. And when he would come back, you know, just even how he knew he couldn't use magic at home and what he did, you know, do, because I'm not going to rehash the whole book, although you might say, well, that's all, he, all you've been doing. But what he did do was is he, he did what he needed to to, you know, keep himself safe while he was at home for the summer break, if you will. And what I liked about it was that he did not come back with his chest stuck out like I am Harry Potter the boy who lived he didn't he didn't uh put on airs he didn't change at all and I'm sitting here like you know freaking magic dude why don't you just whop them one time (laughs) you know and I had to catch myself because I was like wait a minute wait a minute see there you go there you go. You are no different than these people who call themselves celebrities who after, and I hate to say it, it's, it's, it's unfortunate that (laughs) after, you know, a few months, um, the cracks are starting to show because a lot of us are still trying to find our footing in this new world. And some people have been holding out a little too long thinking that things would bounce back and go to the way they were. But now 
And this is my last little point. Y'all don't laugh at me. But now what I find is, like I said in the beginning, we're at this point where the pendulum has swung that now you need the sorting hat again. Mm-hmm. You need to figure out what group and what um uh, dorm you're in now because things have changed. Things have changed. People who were in Slytherin are now begging to get in Hufflepuff. And if you know what I'm talking about on Harry Potter, you'll get that joke. But what, I, what I'm trying to get at is that there is always... Um, a time of sowing and reaping. There is always going to be a time of readjustment, a period of readjustment, if you like. There's always going to be uh, good times and bad times because we need them all. And it's, it's fortunate that I happened to decide to traipse through the book offerings in the kitty side and said, hmm, never listened to Harry Potter, so let me do that. And now, This book is schooling me on things about how to make it and handle myself accordingly during the time of the changing of the pandemic. Y'all, now I'll say this with my few little minutes I have left. Um, I used to wonder, I mean, and when I say used to, I'm talking about till recently. I used to wonder, how is it that historians could block times into certain neat little packages? Like, um... The Medici, um, they're on Netflix and I've always wanted to uh, see their side of things because I've always kind of like studied them in the periphery whenever, you know, I studied Michelangelo and um, studied uh, Nostradamus and Da Vinci and um, the popes even when I was in school, they were always in that background. And so going back and uh, watching, I, I think, yeah, I only watched like the first um one of the little series from um, Netflix. And I was, of course, driven (laughs) to go and do uh, research on uh, Cosimo, you know, the elder, the the father of um, the Medici's, not Giovanni, but Cosimo. And uh, I started to see that historians tend to not necessarily look at the quote-unquote times, they start with looking at the people who stick out the most to go against the grain of what has been the norm. And we see where this family in it in Italy, this not not the big cities of Italy, small Venice, you know, uh, that father Giovanni taught his sons that you get the money and then you get the power. And they became the symbol of how people would insert themselves into the elite where they were able to make big moves. And, um, and then looking at it and looking at how much they financed and, and advanced arts and even sciences along that time, we now have it where, in hindsight, you can clearly see where historians are like, okay, let's look and see what the Medici's were doing. And we can kind of like, you know, look at this Renaissance uh, period and the like. And, you know, I'll say that now in maybe 200 years or so, when the historians look back and they try to put a label on our times, I truly believe that in these times, they will look at those who were able to be highly adaptable, like Harry Potter, and those who were able to recognize when the pendulum had swung. So you guys, yeah, my time is up. Thank y'all for letting me talk about Harry Potter today. I appreciate you. And 
I want to leave you with this, that you are the best person at being you. So let your wisdom light shine. This has been Michelle Spivey, your Practical Priestess of Wisdom, with another podcast of Wisdom Smack. And I will see you tomorrow. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Bye. And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, Uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.